another special edition of the Michael Deacon program all the way from the wastelands of California. My name in fact is Michael. Nice to meet you. First time listeners out there, thanks for finding us. It's better than a fatal accident, that's for sure. Do keep in mind, no matter what it is you choose to believe, we do admire you for your curiosity. Joining us this evening is the return of Dr. Paul Cottrell. You have heard him here various times. And of course, you have heard him on his own YouTube channel, which is very popular. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing us into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. The wait is over. And you too will get the opportunity to call in and ask questions or maybe just state your opinions on COVID-19. Has your opinion on this virus at all changed? I have no idea. I really don't know. And of course, I can't hear, I think I could even hear my neighbors outside. I know you guys can't, but they're going off out there. I'm not quite sure what's going on, but regardless, here we are again, like a very big, happy, dysfunctional family. And of course, I know the doctor is waiting. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Dr. Paul Cottrell, who I believe is patiently waiting. Let's bring him in right now. Doctor, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Michael? I'm good. I can't complain. I'm so glad you're here. There's lots to discuss, lots to decipher yet again. And of course, you are open to phone calls tonight, right? Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Great to take some calls and answer some questions. Yeah, I think it'd be a, a good thing to do. And of course, that number is... 424-666-2425. That's the new number, by the way, Paul. Ready? I know it's 424-666-2425. Little... It's, it's a little dark, I know, but <laughs> the thing is, it's it's quite catchy. Yeah. Yeah, you're always going to remember that one, that's for sure. That's right. That's right. Definitely. So, Paul, how are you, by the way? Is everything going good out there in NYC? Well, in my building, we have a case that's confirmed. So they are sheltered in place for 14 days. Um, so I live in a, a building that's about 10 stories high. So, but because of, you know, their own, for their own safety, they don't divulge which unit that individual is. So we don't know which floor it is or whatever. I don't think it's on my, 
but um, we do have one confirmed case in, in my building. And does that have you at all worried? Well, people are walking around on eggshells, and the, the staff here, they they look at you if you're not wearing a mask, you know, with that evil eye, and everyone is, you know, kind of really concerned. I mean, there's, you can feel it in the air that, 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 um, when it's so close, you know, it's, there's, there's the psychological effect of like knowing that someone around you has it versus someone on TV that has it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, you know, so there's, so when it, when it's close, you get a little worried and a little concerned. But, you know, as I was telling you early on, way, way, you know, on our first show together, um, you know, there, if you boost your immune system that you can, you have a higher probability of fighting. You know, if you're around people that have it or, you know, you have to, you can't just get one viral product to get sick. You have to have lots of viral products and you have to, you know, have somewhat of a, a suppressed immune system. So if you take vitamins, you take care of your body, you exercise, you have the right state of mind, then your chances of fighting any pathogen becomes exponentially better. So, you know, as you know, I, you know, I talked on your show that it's, there's protease inhibitors that you can take and antivirals that are all natural that have been, you know, proven to fight pathogens. And, um, there was a a paper that came out uh, a while back that I, that I covered where I was saying that if you prophylactically take, uh, Relora, uh, Forskolin, licorice root, uh, calendula, and, um, you know, you take that in a, in a sequence each day that they are proved, they've proven in vitro, proven for blocking C, uh, three CL proteases. So they're protease inhibitors. And three CL is the conserved section of all coronaviruses. So, you know, <laughs> there are, there is a plethora of things that people can do to take care of their body as they get in an environment like we are in right now where right. there are many people that are getting sick, maybe, you know, they're mild cases, but could spread it. And it just makes sense to just take care of your body and, and take these types of supplements That's to, right. to, you know, to just boost up your immune system. And there's lots. You can keep things, keep inflammation down, you know, boost up the, the vitamin D3s, the, the, the vitamin C's, the chaga mushrooms, you know, and all, all, you know, there's tons, even, even, Increasing, increasing supplementation with rosemary, you know, so and thieves oil. And there's tons and tons of stuff out there that people can, they can do to kind of protect their body. But if you do get sick, which people do, then you have to see a doctor and you need to get treated because you don't want to have that um, severe infection take hold in your lungs and damage those uh, alveolar um, cells uh, permanently. Right. So let me get something straight here with you, Doc. Mm-hmm. So someone currently in your building is positive for COVID, correct? That's correct. And you don't know if they um, are, uh, you don't know, well, you don't exactly know what room they're in, right? They have to be hospitalized. That's all we know. So you know nothing then? Right. Okay. We don't know if it's a male or female. We know it's one case. We don't know if the person is living alone or with a family, you know, a family member. We don't know which unit or which floor it's on. But we were told the day that they were announced, when they were confirmed testing positive. 
So I suspect that's a mild case. It could be asymptomatic. You know, maybe they were going to work and they had to be tested to go back to work and they just happened to test positive. But the, 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 the protocol at the moment right now is if you test positive, um, you have to be staying quarantined until you, you know, you're not testing positive anymore for, and then you have to go beyond, um, I think it's 14 days. So yeah, so we have at least one per, at least one person in, in our, in our, are you building. not at all? We don't know the details. Right. And Paul, are you not at all paranoid at all? For me, I'm not because I, I understand the dynamics of this and how to fight it. You know, I've been saying this from day one. It's about preparation. If you prepare and, and up and, and, and boost up your immune system the best you can, not everybody can. They, some people have ailments and, and genetic disorders not can afford and whatnot, it either, by the lifestyle way. issues. Yeah, that's but, expensive, you know, by the way, too, Paul. Well, I, you know, it's get true. pricey. I, you know, I, I, I spend a few to several hundreds of dollars in, in anti aging, <laughs> anti aging stuff. But you yeah, know, you go pretty but, hard but, with that stuff there. And yeah. we already have a phone call here for you, Paul. Or at least I think it's a phone call uh, for you. Could be for anybody, really. <laughs> you know, it could be for <laughs> it me. It could be, yeah, it could be the wrong number, but um, let's. No, but, the, but the point, yeah, okay, but we can take that. Yeah, call. let's take their call really quickly here. Maybe they have something rather important to tell us here. You never know. Uh, caller, what's going on? Caller, go ahead. Yeah, can you hear me? Loud and clear. Right on. Um, yeah, I'm from I'm from St. Paul, Minnesota. I've talked to Paul briefly before, but uh, he's been he's had some of the most informative uh, content. I agree. But yeah, I've been like right out in the uh, like after the riots and stuff. Like half half the businesses are still like burnt down and everything. Right. I've been I've been in and out of. Um, so my girlfriend has been in the hospital for like the past year now with COVID related stuff, but she's had endocarditis of her heart. So mm-hmm. she just had like a heart surgery. So I've been like in and out, uh, visiting her and I seem to be relatively fine. I mean, uh, there, there isn't like an outright, um, and you're in Minnesota, you know, by the way, cases. and caller, you are um, in Minnesota, right? Yeah. Okay. You won't, you don't have to tell us where exactly, but okay. Understood. Actually, I think I remember you calling on my show. If I remember, I remember I don't know your voice. If was, I think it was like a Zoom. My name is Ian. Ian. Ian? Yep. Were you were you the one that was talking about the the hydroxychloroquine? Or no? No, I don't. No, I don't no. Okay. Because I had a few people that called and talked about the hydroxychloroquine, but those videos were taken down by YouTube. Because um, Michael, as you know, you know, you know, hydroxychloroquine, you know, is is a uh, is kind of like a bad word on YouTube because of Fauci taking it off of the. Of the, off of the regimen. Is it really? Potential. Yeah. So anyone that had Interesting. Uh, videos that were promoting, uh, at least prophylactically, hydroxychloroquine, uh, those, some of those videos were taken down. And I had about three of them that were taken down. And I talked to people that little, that had, that took it while they were sick. So I had like case, like case studies, like early on, as you know, on my channel, I, I would have people calling in saying, well, what are you seeing on the ground? Or What's your perspective? And some people shared information on this is what they were being treated early on. Right. And that's what we will be talking about here with you in a moment. But, uh, caller, what else is going on out there in your area? Are you seeing a meteoric rise in cases uh, like I am out here in um, California? I can't say, like, uh, I'm like, I mean, like, I don't see more ambulances or more 
when I go to the hospital, I mean, I just uh, make her put on a mask. And um, luckily, she was in there for maybe about two months, the girl I've been seeing. And uh, she had, like, a successful heart surgery and everything. I was worried that she might catch it. But, like, she transferred out. Oh, did we? Well, um... No, I think he I think he went into maybe, maybe, I can slightly hear him in the background. You can slightly hear him in the background. I have no idea yeah, what know, happened. I don't know if he... Did, did we lose you? Huh? Hello? Huh? We, we lost your connection just, Hello? just a few seconds. Yeah, we lost you there for a moment. Hello? Can you hear us? Did we lose Hello? you? Yeah, I think we lost you. I can hear you guys. Maybe I'm muted. Maybe oh, we, I'm muted. I don't know. Yeah, we hear him. <laughs> we hear him just fine. I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> you there? Yeah, I think we might have. Um, I think we might have lost him. But yes, uh, please call back four two four six 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 twenty four twenty five. I'm not sure what happened there, but you know the thing is, Michael. I had so many people calling in that that was you know first three months. I mean, literally, my phone. I, I'm not bragging. I mean, because you know, I I, I, sure. I try to you know I, I try to be as humble as possible. We're getting a lot of calls right people. now, by the way. But I was I was I was getting phone calls nonstop on my phone that I literally had to turn off my phone wow. because there was no way that I could get any rest because it was just because I was getting calls from Europe too. Well, three people called in at the same time. That's what happened. I'm not. Right. Uh, here we are, caller. What's up? You're back. Hey. Or is this the new caller? Is that what happened? Yeah. I can, I, can, I can barely hear this guy now. I, we'd barely hear you. Oh, okay. Uh, um, hold on. Okay, now we could hear you. You can hear us? Loud and clear. Go ahead. Excellent. Awesome. I just want to say uh, thanks to uh, the Michael Deacon program for having us on. This is Eddie Ads, Eddie and Skywalker, YouTube Chosen <laughs> One. I'm sitting here with George Webb, and we just want to say hi to Paul Cottrell, Dr. Cottrell. How's it going? I'm doing fine. Yeah, it's important, Michael. Uh, you know, Addy, Addy Ads and George Webb have been instrumental in trying to inform the public about what's been going on. And, uh, you know, we kind of collaborate uh, weekly, um, you know, in trying to publish stuff. So, you know, they're, they're part of an organization called uh, Neighborhood News Hour, which was deplatformed on YouTube. And as you know, Michael, there's tons of people that are getting deplatformed. You know, like Stephen Molyneux, right. you know, I, you know, I, I've been shadow banned and demonetized. There's just, you know, the whole story. So, you know, and Addy has, you know, been, you know, shadowed and, and George Webb has been deplatformed multiple times and they've been doing great work. So anyone that's, you know, listening, please try to support Addy. Uh, it's Addy Ads and he's on uh, brand new tube. Um, so, you know, please try to help. These patriots, everyone that's involved. And that's the thing is, is that everybody needs to work together to save this country. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just, uh, proud to say that Addy and George and Michael and, and many, many others are, are, um, my friends and have been, you know, with me from day one on this. That's right. Well, well, Paul, I just want to say this is George. I, I love your stuff. You go all the way from politics, uh, all the way through down to the, you know, the protease inhibitors, dude. <laughs> and I love that much. You, you really, you, you could tell you're studying every day constantly. And then I don't know how you find time to do this stuff, but thanks for all you're doing, Paul. Really, thank you. Well, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, thank you for your service too, George. 
Hey, hey, Paul, another member of Neighborhood News Studio here. Just want to say thanks, and thanks for coining the term Bio-Patriot Act. Not that it's anything all that exciting, but you definitely eat into it, and you've been talking about it forever, and definitely this, they are they are totally doing a Bio-Patriot Act to us right now. That's so right. And we for, uh, need to all shot. band together and, and fight it. And they, these pillars of the Bio-Patriot Act that we have to fight is the decaching and the digital wallet. And, you know, the, the uh, militarization of the police, the forced vaccine program, the Agenda 21. These are things that you know, even Michael on his show has been talking about, you know, many, many times. And, uh, you know, the bottom line is, is that we are we are being attacked from many different fronts, from the biological front, from our economic front, from our civil liberty front, front from from our um uh, we're, we're even being attacked from from China in, in the Pacific, you know, with our hegemonic power. They're checking our hegemonic power. So there's there's some huge things going on. And unfortunately, we have a Congress that has been compromised and taken over and captured by deep staters. And, you know, we need to fight back. And it's only through people working together and saying no to these technocrats Will we be able to save our Constitution? And it's going to be citizen journalists like Neighborhood News Hour and many, many others, and platforms like Michael Deacon's program and my show, and and you know different groups on Facebook like uh, um, the foundation that we have, which is the the, the Freedom Re- Restoration of uh, Foundation. You can join our group there. But there are many, many others that you know that are trying. To, to spread the word and get organized to fight this this tyranny. We do not want to lose our civil liberties and our way of life. And, and what's happening is we're on the on the knife edge of what Ann Rand warned us about in the Atlas Shrug. And that is that we're going to move into socialism and communism. And it, and that is that is what's at stake. It's not just a virus. It's not just battling the CCP for for the island chains, but there is this larger global play that we're going to lose our way of life. We're going to lose that 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 constitution that we hold dear. So we all have to work together and don't let them do this to us. You can see it on CNN and, and MSNBC, and even with some of the Fox um, anchors, you know, where they're pushing they're pushing this kind of you know this socialistic agenda. Were you saying something? Go go ahead. I just wanted to say thanks to uh, both Michael Deacon and Dr. Cottrell. Uh We want to let uh, other people get on the line, too, and, and do call-ins. But, uh, yeah, this uh, Neighborhood News Studio is the new channel. We just got asked. Neighborhood News Hour was the old one, so now it's Neighborhood News Studio. We're not monetizing, uh, but if you want to check us out there, otherwise on my channel, too, uh, you can see George and the gang uh, every single day. So, Michael. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Paul. Hey, Paul, I just wanted to ask, you doing good in class? You need any help on those exams? Everybody everybody should know that Paul is not, you know, a career YouTuber here. He's a student, a high-profile student studying hard every day. So right. I'll bet you're getting a 4.0, man, right? So medical Close. school is extremely hard, and just passing is an amazing accomplishment. <laughs> so We appreciate it. Thank you so awesome. much, gentlemen. Thanks for the show, guys. Take care. Bye bye. And there they go. But you know, the the big point here is yeah. that there's been so many YouTubers 
you know, that, that have been trying to sound the alarm with me and they've been axed. They've been killed off. They've been demonetized. They've been shadow banned. You know, some of them had 900,000 subscribers. Some of them only had 4,000 subscribers. Some, you know, were, you know, the, the, the 40,000 subscriber zone. But the bottom line is that across the spectrum, people have been chopped down to try to prevent the message to being heard. And channels like yours are so important as the underground movement to get the word out to, to, to start saving our constitution. And that is, you know, preventing the Biopatriot Act because it's a big chunk of the Agenda 21. Caller, go ahead. You are live on the air. Uh, yes, am I live? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, this is a question for uh, Dr. Paul Cottrell. Um, I was wondering if you could comment on um, spread of uh, COVID-19 into the mink population in Europe and also recently in the United States. There's mm -hmm. 20, about 21 mink farms in the U.S. That's a great question, by and, the way. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, um, my concern is, is it's already in the mink population and there's documented evidence that it went from minks into humans and vice versa. And a mink, well, anything with hair on it is mammal. Does that put our, our um, food at risk, basically cattle, anything else with hair? And, and from what I understand, too, is it's jumped into the avian population. It has been some documentation of that happening, which is unbel unbelievable for uh, a virus to be doing that, it's extremely rare. Um, I'm a medical technologist, and I've, I've worked uh, extensively in different laboratories, and I've never seen like this. And, so uh, in terms of the, the medical Paul. technology, more of like a, um, a uh, ultrasound tech, or what, what kind of technology? Uh, laboratory. Laboratory. Okay. Uh, okay. Microbiology, yeah. hematology, chemistry, okay. on and on, neurology. But, but not like in a clinical setting. It's more I'm, like I'm retired. More like pathology or something. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. My hearing. It's not in a clinical right. setting. It's more in a laboratory setting. The, 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 the technology that you're talking about. Is it what? No, I was just mentioning that that in terms of the technology, that you're, you're a technologist, right? A, a lab a lab tech. So I was just wondering if it was more on the clinical side or if on the laboratory side. But you're, you're stating that it was, it's more laboratory oriented. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what you're saying. My hearing isn't all that great. I was going to take the answer off air. Oh my. But, uh, oh, 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 I, oh, okay. uh, but no, yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, so, I'm a ASCP, an American Society of Clinical Pathologists registered. Understood. Understood. So, um, that's, a, that's the hardest, that's the hardest test you can take nationwide. Uh, the state tests are pretty easy compared to this test. This is a two day test. They test you in, and if you happen to pass it, ASC, FDNA, as a certification. Well, that's great. So to answer your question, um, I'd like to take a look at the numbers. So, like for the UK, as as a proxy for what's going on um, I'm, lately. I'm, I'm sorry, you're breaking up. I really can't hear you. Would it be Would it be okay if I take that question off the air so I can hear it? Yeah, you got it, brother. Take care. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. Okay, you're welcome. Okay. Bye. Take care. Thank you bye for bye. calling.
So to, to answer that gentleman's question, I'm going to take um, I'm going to take the UK as the proxy. Okay, go for it. Um, so the UK, just to give it in uh, an understanding of where we're at at the fifty thousand foot level, they're just under a million cases just in the UK. So Europe, you know, is definitely in a bad situation, just like in the United States. And we have been hearing that France is going into lockdown. Spain is bad. UK is going to be going into lockdown on Monday for four weeks. It's serious in, in Europe. It's right? going to happen here. If you just have to oh, look, yeah. yeah, you just That's have to right. look across the pond there and you see it happening. And the chances are it's going to come here. And That's I've been right. saying that for months. Get ready for another wave. It's on the horizon. Right. So, you know, so to focus on his question about, you know, I'm speaking a little bit, you know, loudly, so maybe he can hear it while he's listening. But um, specific to Europe, they have an outbreak and it's serious and it's overrunning their medical system. That's been documented, especially in France. So with the UK, um, they have under just under a million cases with just under 50,000 deaths. Right? But the UK is kind of like the size of a state or a little bigger than a state. You know, well, it's about the size of the state, the state you're looking at. But the dynamics, they are in a, a two-wave system, right? That country. So it's similar to the two-wave system that we're seeing in certain states in the United States. And that first wave peaked in around April. And the second wave is hasn't peaked yet. And that second wave looks like it really started climbing in around September. Um around near the end of September, right? They're averaging daily 20, around 25,000 new cases a day, right? It's hard to get the information on hospitalizations, but I have had many people that listen to my channel and they have been sending either emails or text messages that once they have my phone number or even messaging me on Facebook. What they do is, is they're saying what they're seeing on the ground and I have people in the UK telling me that it's bad in the hospitals. Okay? I bet, yeah. I can't confirm that with data from Johns Hopkins because they don't give us that granularity. But I'm going to take what they're saying, their personal anecdotal evidence as truth. And with that, um, their system is starting to get overloaded. It's very similar to what was being published in other countries in Europe. Okay. Now, with 25 thousand new cases, um, you're going to have several that need hospitalization and there's going to be a certain percentage that are going to need to go into ICU. All right. But they have been learning how to treat this. And if you treat it early, you don't get intubated and go down the path of death. All right. Usually. Right. Or early on, it wasn't the case. Now, what's different about these waves are the waves are larger. The peaks are larger in the second wave than in the first wave. If you look at the different states, comparing states, for example, in the United States, um, we have California has the most confirmed cases, right? Back Outrageous. in the day, it was, it was New York. Yes. California's peak, peak was in June, right? But there looks to be the beginnings of a second wave in California. That's right. Now, in Texas, they peaked out around mid-July. But again, there's a starting of a peak 
that's taking place. Now in New York, everyone knows, you know, we peaked out in around April, right? And we're starting to see the beginnings of a second wave. I think, to answer the guy's question, I think Europe is a little ahead of the game in terms of severity for the second wave in the United States. And then what's happening in Europe is most likely going to happen to the United States. Right. And hold that thought one second, Paul. We are joined by another caller. Go ahead, caller. You are live on the air. Hi, this is uh, Ian again. Ian, you're back. Hey, Ian. Back. Very nice. I'm glad. Yes, I'm glad you're back. And to answer uh, Matt's question in the chat room, I believe he's, yeah, that's Matt Friend, I believe. He's saying, this ain't going away, is it? And the short answer is, no, it's not. No, and I'll, I'll even, I'll, I'll scare you, right? Because it's, you know, Friday. <laughs> it's Friday. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's October 30th. Let it spill. This Go ahead. Thing, I'll tell you, this thing, this virus is never going to go away. Just, just get it in your head. It is never going to go away. The question is, how are we going to deal with it? Right? The vi- this virus has been released and it will never go away. Right? But that does not mean that it is going to be this virulent or this catastrophic. All right? Over time. That the virus is never going to go away. And there is some evidence that says that once you get it, you probably will never get rid of it in your body. The question is, is to get, does it get reactivated or does it just kind of live with you? Like a lot of viruses. So, but the, the point is, is that the idea that the virus is going to go away, that's hogwash. Now, what is the method to try to get back to no, normalcy? All right. Is it a vaccine program? Is it herd immunity? Is it, you know, letting the virus eventually attenuate to a point where we're living with the virus? You know, my stance is this. The vaccine program has has a lot of questions in terms of manufacturing and and um, um, tort law issues, right? And because of that, I have to assume that a brand new vaccine, especially for something that was a bioweapon, most likely is not a safe thing, right? I'm going to err on the side of caution when it comes to vaccines. What I'm not going to err the side of caution on is, is that supplementation and boosting up your immune system is probably the right way to go. Right. And get these pharmaceutical companies to get these therapeutics, not vaccines, but therapeutics like Remdesivir and others that either are protease inhibitors or replicase inhibitors or inhibit some process and in a cocktail – slow down the viral load in the population. And when you slow down the viral load in the population, you will buy time for the doctors and nurses, be able to treat patients, and you can slowly um, titrate the population into herd immunity and not force a vaccine program. So I disagree with Fauci and the idea, keep everyone away and don't get sick. You know, you know, stay in your little bubble, don't get sick, and then let Moderna come out with a vaccine and then have everyone get vaccinated. That's his method. The method I'm saying is this. Start living your life and stop living in fear, all right? Because we've tried the shelter-in-place method for way too long. New York in the United States it has had the most draconian measures and obedience 
to those draconian measures than anywhere else in the country. And we are in the start of a second wave. Shelter in place, I am stating on Michael Dakin's show, does not work. That's right. It does not work. It helps to slow the virus. It bought time for the nurses and the doctors and the hospitals to get prepared for the wave, the big wave, which you're seeing in Europe right now. We bought time. We also bought time with the, the, the pharmaceutical companies to be able to do the clinical tests to prove out remdesivir, prove out the monoclonal antibodies work, to prove out that, that uh, convalescent uh, an, uh, antibody plasma uh, treatment works, that hydroxychloroquine works, that there's a plethora of things that can be provided from a therapeutical track to treat this instead of a vaccine. Now, if a vaccine is available and you want it, it is your prerogative. But if you don't want it, you shouldn't be forced because it's about patient autonomy. But shelter in place will weaken you. And everyone that's listening to this show right now, please spread the word after the show. Because what I'm going to say right now, I want you to write down is one of the most important things that I'm going to say tonight. By staying at home and not getting a little bit infected and getting some of your antibody started in the population at large, and, and building up a herd immunity is going to force a vaccine program, a mandatory vaccine program. By staying at home, you can't get sick. But when you get out, you already have an immune system that's weakened because they're not telling you to take D3 and vitamin C. And you go out and you're getting out of shelter in place. And you're going back to work and even with the mask. And what happens? People are starting to get sick because they have, they have a weakened immune system. They stayed at home and they weakened their immune system. On top of it, when you're all of a sudden going outside and you've been indoors for months, you're being exposed to pathogens that you normally just a little bit a day get. And your uh, your your immune system takes over and, and, and fights it. You're talking but about then, the uh, viral load, correct? Right. I'm talking about I'm talking about the viral load, yes, but sir. also other pathogens that that bring down your immune system that will allow for this pathogen. SARS-CoV-2 to come in and take hold because if your immune system is down and let's say you're exposed to something that is somewhat benign, like say a, a normal coronavirus or, you know, a little bit of the flu or, you know, you just, you know, even just allergies, you're going to start secreting mucus and histamines and all this other stuff that will, that will create an environment that is going to be conducive for this pathogen to get, take hold. If you have a strong immune system, it won't take hold. Oy vey. So, so if you're stay, if you're, for example, people that have been eating honey in their local area because the bees are taking pollen from their local plants and making the honey, and you're eating the honey, you're eating some of the antigens and training your immune system for the environment you're in. That's why people eat local honey. Yeah, raw honey is really good for you, by the way, and right, good on, it's right. good on your face, by the way, too. For those that don't know, so, well, I didn't know that, but but oh, the yeah. thing is, is that the point is, is that you have to be in the environment. The kids need to be in the dirt so they don't get sick. Uh, See, by the, a by lot the way, of, um, a lot of these mothers, a lot oh, of these go mothers, ahead, Paul. You know, prevent these kids from playing in the dirt, and all of a sudden they start having asthma issues and allergy issues, and you know, issues up the yin yang. Because they don't play in the dirt. By the way, Paul, I was just going to quickly mention that I think we lost our caller there. There was some yelling going on, and he um, dropped out on us there. Ian. Is it me yelling? 
Why he dropped out? <laughs> there was some yelling going on, not by you, by someone in the oh. background of the call. There, <laughs> I, I hope oh, he's okay. Yeah. I, I don't know what was going on. But but, but the, the bottom line. <laughs> yes, go ahead. Bottom line is the bottom line is this: Fauci and the establishment wants you to stay at home and you get sicker, so you take the vaccine. Write this down: If you get sick with COVID nineteen, they will not give you a vaccine. They do not give people vaccines that were sick. Now think about that for a second. If you're pushing a billion dollar or multi-billion dollar jab into the into the American public, right? Don't you think that you need to protect that that asset and make sure that they're pure enough so you can jab them, so you can make your money? They don't want herd immunity. They don't want people to walking around and eventually getting a little bit of virus. See, what's happening is, is that the research that's coming out is saying, you know what? Some people, a lot of these cases are are um, somewhat muted or or benign or asymptomatic because there's cross reactivity from other coronaviruses that we built up antibodies from other colds, and we still have some of those antibodies in. And for certain people, they have have a little bit stronger immune uh, immunity because of cross reactivity against SARS-CoV-2. All right, that's not true for everybody, but there is some research out there that states this that there, the cross reactivity is important, and that's part of the herd immunity. There is also the antibodies that are created through the population by being exposed to SARS-CoV-2. But you got to weigh the risks and the benefits. The benefit of having the population going through and living their life and pushing through and, t- t- and, and, and working together and moving forward the society and not be fearful and go back to work and take the damn mask off and just live your life, what will happen is, is that it will push that virus through the population quicker. The longer it is staying is slow into the population, the more chance of a gain of function naturally. And that gain of function goes back to the pinballing issue that I was mentioning between receptors. We're going to lose affinity with ACE2 and gain affinity with, let's say, CD209. You want it to get through the population quick, get people with, um, with, with um, uh, antibodies, and eventually you'll have herd immunity. Now, we thought, and I mentioned this on your show, we thought that the magic number was anywhere from 19 to 23% of the population, all right? But that was assuming certain social dynamics, and that did not take into account possible synergistic effects with other pathogens. Right, and Paul, I did want to talk about this topic with you here tonight, but before we jump further into this, because I had a lot to ask you in regards of the mask and... Um, how we should be protecting ourselves or not protecting ourselves and herd immunity. But before we do, there was this article I came across from NPR just recently today. And, you know, I I wanted your opinion on it. I was going to send you the article, but, you know, time is not on our side. But here is a a clip of that. Play that for you right now, Paul. Number of new coronavirus cases, 40 to 45,000 cases per day. We remember that for perspective. 40 to 45,000 per day, because as cases soar this fall, the U.S. yesterday reported 88,000 cases in a single day. Hospitals are filling up, and it would help public health officials to know which hospitals are at risk of being overwhelmed. A few federal officials know, but other officials don't. 
NPR has obtained an internal document from the federal government that shows the U.S. is gathering and analyzing daily hospital data but not sharing it with the public. NPR's Selena Simmons-Duffin is with us now. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. What is this document? So the document we got is a 49-page slide deck. It's dated October 27th, and it has a lot of charts and maps, not a lot of raw data, but it offers a glimpse into the kind of information the federal government is gathering and analyzing. There are graphs that show hospital trends, capacity in intensive care units, ventilator use, and more. And it appears to be circulated every day to a fairly limited group of about 40, mostly at the staff at the Department of Health and Human Services. Only one member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force receives it directly, and that is Admiral Brett Drouard. And public health experts we talked with say that this data could be really helpful in the fight against this virus, but they can't get access to it. What do you learn from looking at the document? Well, one key slide that stands out shows how hospitalizations are changing in metro areas. So you can see that this week, hospitals in metro Atlanta, Minneapolis, and Baltimore were more than 80% full. Wow. Another shows that specific hospitals in Tampa, Birmingham, and New York had ICUs that were over 95% full this week. My reporting partner, Ping Wang, and I reviewed the documents with several data experts and epidemiologists, and many of them said there's more that could be done with the underlying data that HHS is collecting but not sharing. For example, what? Well, one thing you could do is graph how fast hospitalizations are increasing. So if you run a hospital and it's been 75% full for weeks and you're managing your staff and it's all working, but then you're 77% full, that might not be concerning. But if you've been 50% full and then one day you're 77% full, that could be really concerning. And it could mean you need more resources. Your community needs to change its public health mandates. So it's the same number, but it means something really different. And I talked about this with Melissa McFeeters, an epidemiologist and professor at Vanderbilt. With this particular disease, like a race car, once it starts accelerating, it's really hard to slow it down. You know, you may be able to stop on a dime up to, you know, 70 miles an hour, but you can't stop on a dime at 100 miles an hour. So that's why you need to watch the acceleration. With detailed data from around the country, researchers could watch that and they could see where the epidemic is going next. They don't have access to that data at the national level right now, even though it is being gathered by HHS. Having seen this document, though, does it really contain information that local or state officials could get no other way? Well, it is true that state and local health departments have, in a lot of places, come up with their own ways to gather and present this information, but it is uneven. And the other thing is that national data would show one thing that state dashboards can't, and that's a regional picture. Hmm. For example, McFeeder says her team gets great data from the state health department, but Tennessee has eight bordering states. Hospitals in Tennessee serve patients who are from Arkansas and Mississippi and Kentucky and Georgia and vice versa. And so when we see hospitals that are particularly near those state borders having increases, one of the things we can't tell is, is that because hospitals in an adjacent state are full? What's going on there? Well, how has HHS responded then that it's damaging to have this data not be public? An agency spokesperson told NPR that, quote, our goal is to be as transparent as possible while still protecting privacy. But public health experts we spoke with said it doesn't seem like there's a reason why HHS couldn't release more of this data if it wanted to. Well, now at least one version of this data is public, thanks to NPR. Selena Simmons-Duffin, thanks so much. My goodness.
Well, I mean, there's a lot there, Michael. There's, I know, know, there's, you know, the thing is, is that <laughs> there's I've been a lot. Stating, uh, yeah, on your show and many others, but it, it's about the granularity. Johns Hopkins database does not provide the information needed to drill down. And one of the major drill down points is the hospitalizations. Right. And it's about it's a it, and this reporter was right. It's about it's about the slope. What is the rate of growth or decline? of a particular metric. It's not just new cases. What's important is new cases that have been tested for that day, all right? So that ratio, how many tested positive for relative to the number of people that tested for that day? If that number goes up more than three or 4%, you have a outbreak in your area, all right? Think, let that sit in for a second. Most people just keep on hearing tech, positive cases right. for that day. Right, but you right. don't know how many were tested then. It's hard to get. Yeah, that's it, true. Right? So it's about the ratio. So if 10 people tested positive, but only 10 were tested, you got a problem. Right. You know, if you had 10 people that tested positive, but you tested 1,000, eh, you don't really have a problem. All right? So it's about ratios. And, the, and when you look at it longitudinally, all right, you get a better understanding of that changing dynamic day after day after day, and then you'll get a rate of growth from it or a rate of decline. So John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins data is not granular enough. And I've been stating that the two metrics that you need to look out for is the new hospitalizations that are COVID-19 related and that ratio between number of people being tested relative to the number of people that are being tested positive for that day. That's important. When you know that, then you understand what's going on. Now, what Governor Cuomo's doing is, is that he's getting those ratios, right? And the micro clusters at the state, uh, the, the, let's say the, the testing positive um, ratio is about 1%, a little bit below 1% some days, a little bit above 1% at the state level, right? But when you're looking at the micro clusters, you're at the three to five level, and that is worrisome. And right. Especially in a dense area like New York. And well, this Paul, is exactly what happened right. right at the very beginning. All right. And it's happening right now in Brooklyn and Queens. Yeah, it's happening uh, in real time. Yeah. And Paul, it's just really it's it's a it's a concern every time I always see that there's more suppression from our government. I mean, mm-hmm. shouldn't this information be shared uh, publicly? Absolutely. It should be shared publicly. And I think that part of the reason why it's not being shared is, is that it's a black eye for the gov- for the current administration. And yeah, that's one reason. The other reason is, is that it, it, that um, um, that's because of certain areas like New York is it, starting to get bad. All right. Now, if you keep everybody in the dark, it's it, it's and then all of a sudden you you have this headline news on CNN, let's say, and says, well, you know, you have an overrun of, of, of hospitals right now. And they didn't give you that little inch up, you know, in the curve and that daily count to see it. They just all of a sudden hit you with it really quick with that large, you know, 100% capacity, you know, for, for hospitalization beds or whatever all over the country. Then what it does is it puts people in a fear of mode, and it will force them to capitulate for this vaccine program. And there people are, are already people are already um, stockpiling goods. Yeah, and people but are there's been, there, Here's here's the thing: is is that people are 
We're starting to notice in New York that food and certain paper products, toilet paper, um, paper towel, stuff like that, is starting to become not as plentiful in the stores. And it's starting to be reminiscent of what it was like at the very beginning of the first wave. Oh, it's happening. People were, yeah. So they, people are stockpiling again. That's right. Again, you know, so it, it, and food crops, you know, the, the food stuffs, stuffs are, are, are not as plentiful in the stores too. So we're seeing that there's similar dynamics that are going on. All right. I, my take on this is that they're not sharing the information. We need the information to understand what's really going on. Right. And if you keep us in the dark, it's easier to try to control the society. All right. And if you, if you, but I, again, what's important is most people that get sick, if they're treated, will be fine. Treated early. Treated early. That's, that's the point. It's getting treated early. You'll be okay. You know, but the thing is, is that you got to treat it like the tr- president was treated. You know, it's a cocktail. It's not, I've heard people getting albuterol. All right. And, and just to, to, to be to bronchial dilators. And, and that's all they get. You believe that? Well, not everyone's the president no. either. So, you know, yeah, it's going to be know, hard. The, is, the president did say that, that Regeneron was going to be free, you know, for, for, for everybody. So, I mean, he made statements that, 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 that the, that medical care, to treat SARS-CoV-2 is going to be free and it's going to be paid for by the federal government, right? I would rather have the federal government spend the billions and billions and billions of dollars to make sure that we have the therapeutics for everybody in this country than to spend billions and billions and billions of dollars to prop up the, the, the banking system. It's not even billions. It's in the hundreds of billions, so, you know, you know, I, I would prefer, I would, I would, I would much prefer the, you know, for this particular healthcare crisis to have the federal government come in and, and say, hey, we're going to use federal dollars and to, to, to make sure that people are treated with this disease because of, because of, uh, <laughs> because, you see that, of, huh? Yeah, I did see Okay. It. You know, because of the, um, you know, the severity of the situation. Understood. Right? Understood. You know, but, but mm-hmm. they, they aren't sharing the data. That's a bit, that, that's a, the main point of the, of the video or the, the audio. That, that has you, me perturbed completely, by the way, for those that are paying attention. I mean, if the hospital is suppressing information, well, the government is rather, and they're not sharing that to the public, that should bother all of you out there listening to this. It's really Giuliani. That was Rudy Giuliani there. He was dressed as a woman, and uh, Donald Trump was motorboating him. So, you know, but the... But the right. You know, there, the data needs to be more more available, more it does. transparent. It does. I and, agree. I, you know, I, I think HHS and I think the NIH is not being transparent. They weren't transparent in the very beginning. The CDC I mean, hasn't they, been transparent know, they either. That, they knew there are 23 states... When we had only 30 cases, most of them were in California, you know, they knew the 23 states had infection. And I had people calling into my show telling me that they had cases, but it wasn't published on Johns Hopkins. And as you know, well, you know, I called the governor and asked, you know, what was going on in, in Buffalo and also and didn't get an answer. But um, we need transparency for sure. I agree. But the thing is, is that people need to not be free. I want, I want people to understand that you being, think about this for a second. 
You're in the home for months. New York has been sheltered in place since February. February. It is now the end of October, and we're still in a certain degree of shelter in place. It did not work. It did not work. What we need is a different method. Different plan. We, right. A different plan. And we have more understanding of the virus, and we have more therapeutics on the shelf to use. So instead of taking stuff off the shelf, we need to keep everything on the table to make sure that the doctors and nurses can they, they can use it because we are in a crisis situation. And, and I think the mm-hmm. president has authority to, for national security reasons to be able to issue that and not have to you know dance around with the FDA and you know is it you know, the efficacy of it and all this BS. That's right. But the, you know, but people need to get out and start moving around because you by being in shelter in place weakened us. So let's use their logic. Stay in shelter in place. Oh, you know what? We're going to we're going to slowly open up the society. Now we've, you know, had 50% of the businesses closed and 50% of the population is out of a job. Now we're going to slowly open up the society. Oh, we have reinfection again. We have reinfection again. So we got to go back in shelter in place. We always going to when is this going to ever end? Is it worth destroying 20 trillion dollar economy? Is it is it is it worth destroying our constitution to have this socialistic tyranny, this this technocratic um, um, uh, scientific community that Fauci is running to tell us on how to live our life? I keep on stating we need to live in we, we need to move forward and live dangerously instead of living you know comfortably numb you know you know with the nanny state. I mean, you listen to to Cuomo, and every every conference call that he has, he's he bashes Trump. He he talks about the microclusters and how it's important for people to 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 be quarantined and and to be um, uh, curtailed with their with their movement. And then he all of a sudden he starts talking about socializing certain industries, like like the utility company. This guy is a main character right out of Ayn Rand. Right out of Atlas Shrugged. He's pushing an agenda, and that agenda is socialism. It's, it's not even just regular socialism. It's like right on the edge of communism. And I'm glad you got us warmed up with this topic. But before we um, go further down the rabbit hole here, Ian Stern says, is the newer strain more infectious or more deadly or both than the original one that attached to the ACE2 primarily? Aren't there many different strains now? And uh, yes, I, I forgot, I, I lost count on how many mutations and strains have well, already occurred, right. by the you way. Know, there, there's, you know, to, to, to kind of get into the, the details of this, yeah, there are out. many different sequences that are available in the database, the NIH database. I mean, the last I, I stopped looking because there are so many of them, but the last I looked were 50. Right. All right? Most, of the, most of them are benign mutations. They're one nucleotide. Mutation kind of, you know, um, you know, so they're very benign. But the major switch was what I was mentioning on your show, the D614G mutation. Now, with that, what it did was it allowed for the virus to stay in the body longer and to be able to build viral product and then issue, you know, out of the cell to exocytose out of the cell. Okay. 
The old version, before the mutation, what happened was the S1 subunit started to shed because it had a negative, I'm going from memory here, a negative charge. And what was happening was repelling between the S2 subunit and the S1 subunit. This is for the spike protein right. inside the cytoplasm. So with the two negatives, they, they repel. And then what happens is, is that the S1 sheds. And if you only have S2, you can't assemble the spike protein and the, the viral load is less in the cell. You have a pretty good memory, by the way, Paul, because, you know, I did bring up some notes here and that is what we covered. Yeah. So, you know, so, so basically this, this virus change, this mutation, what happened was that D61G changed the charge of the S1 to allow it to not repel. So what happens is it attaches to the S1 and S2 after cleavage, attach, and then the assembly of the spike protein is allowed. And what happens is, is that you now have more vital product in the cell and more chance of infection. But if you look at a D61, a 614G virus versus just the, um, just the, if you look at the D614 virus and you look at the G614 virus, you'll notice that the spike protein, if it's fully assembled, is just as virulent with the ACE2. It's not less, it's not more. The key difference is, is that the, the G614 version is allowed to assemble more spike proteins because it's not repelling. And because of that, there's more, more virus in your body. And this goes back to the statement that I was making five minutes ago. Yep. People stop shelter in place and get out and start living your life. Because what has happened is naturally there was a mutation that allowed for the spike protein to assemble better in your cytoplasm. And Spouchy allowed that to happen. It's not that he knew it was going to happen, you know, specifically that it was going to be the D614G part of the spike protein. No, he didn't know that, but he sure as hell knew that the longer you stay in shelter in place, that there will be gain of function through a mutation. And he allowed it to happen. And this is the problem that I keep on stating. The faster we burn this through our population, the better we are. And the only way to do that is to view it very similar to D-Day. And that is to push through on the beach and make sure you climb that hill. And we have bought time with the hospitals to, to have the therapeutics and we know the symptoms and we understand the virus much better. And what we need is the society to push through and stop hiding in your little cubby hole and just move forward. Some people are going to die, but that is the price for freedom. Because the other end of this, if you don't do this, you're going to be in shelter in place and they're going to force a vaccine program on you and you're going to have a weak immune system. Because what's happening, and you're seeing it right now, every time they give you a little bit of freedom to go outside, you know, go to the bar or go to the restaurant or go to the movie theater, and then all of a sudden you have a little micro cluster and they shut down the society. How long is that going to last? Five years? Ten years? As this thing is mutating and gets more further gain of function? It's the wrong path. But then the, the technocrats will say, well, we have to stay in shelter in place until we have a vaccine. What happens if they, we never have a vaccine? Yes. We never get out? Is that the answer? We never get out? Let's say the vaccine is only 
80% effective, all right? What about the 20% that get harmed from it? But let's just say that it's 99.5% or 99% effective. If everyone in the United States had to take it, 1% would mean 3.3 million people would be vaccine harmed. The last we looked, it's about 230,000 people that have died from COVID-19. And most of them are tied to comorbidities. Only a small percentage is a pure COVID-19 death. All right. Now, that's true with a lot of diseases. Comorbidities, that's the, the, the nature of the, the beast. When you get sick, you die from many things, right? If, you're, if you have many ailments. So comorbidity is an important issue to, to handle here. But the, the main point here is, is that the, just using logic, not knowing anything about biology, just the logic. Every time we seem to be getting out of shelter in place, there is a slight microcluster and everyone's fearful and then everyone goes back in. Just look at my little my anecdotal uh, discussion earlier in this show. We have one case in, in the building, all right? There's hundreds of people in this building, maybe thousands. I'm not sure. I never counted. But, you know, but the thing is, there's a lot of people in the building. Right. There's only one or two people that have it, all right? We don't know who. We don't know where. But everyone's walking on eggshells. The chances of anyone getting it is very, very small. But just the psychology of it has created an environment of unease and un- untrust. We are creating a world around us where we're not trusting our neighbors. And what's the detriment to the kids? You think it's healthy to have these masks on when they're in school all day? Just, just, just from a breathing perspective? No, it's not. But not just that, the sociological, the psychological effects of it. Children need people's faces. That's how they grow. That's how they, that's how they, they mature and, and interact with people. This is a this is a very dark capitulation to a to a, a a very dark entity. Now, Paul, a few weeks ago, I came across a video that you uploaded on your YouTube channel, and I believe I have a clip of that here. I think it's a a woman named Gail Angelis. Is that what her name is? Angelis. Yeah. Angelis. That's Gail Angelis, and this was in Arizona, correct? Yeah. I have a clip which, of that. Which video? <laughs> I have a clip of that. Let's play that. Listen, you cannot get a ticket for not wearing a mask. If someone tries to tell you that you can get a ticket or a violation, it is a lie. There is no regulations, so, so there is no violation. Repeat, no regulation, no violation. No regulation, no violation. What is a regulation? A regulation is a law that is on the books. It has a code. Don't let them fool you into giving you a health code. Is anybody here the health officer? Raise your hand if we have a health officer here. Do we have the governor here? No. Okay. Those laws only, it's their job description. You cannot violate a health officer code because you're not the health officer. You cannot violate the governor's job description because you're not the governor. So when they try to give you a violation for not wearing a mask or closing your business or opening your business, if you're not the governor, you don't need to worry about that. You're not violating the governor's job description. If this doesn't make sense to you, be sure that you go to thehealthyamerican.org. I've got over a hundred videos there and on YouTube where I explain all of this in detail. My goal is for you to understand how to defend your liberty. 
love these state troopers. I am in favor of law enforcement. I am in favor of living in a law-abiding society. Oh, my. <laughs> the definition of a tyrant is someone who uses power without authority. There is zero authority for any one individual to make a law, period. It's not, that is not how our country is formed. Now, listen. I don't like about this uh, new normal. Anybody like the new normal? No, no, no. I don't even like the old normal. The old normal is what got us here. Do you know what I want, everybody? Better than normal. Yeah. Who's with me? Better than normal. Better than normal. Better than normal. I'm going to have that on a T-shirt, on bumper stickers, and listen. I bet. You're creating something at the Healthy American called Freedom Communities. You do not need to fight with your employer any longer. You do not need to fight with your school board to get your kids to not wear a mask. You get your kids out of school today at home. There is something much better, all right, better than ever. There is a freedom schooling, freedom learning program that I can share with you. I've heard from other parents here that have got their kids at home. Your kids do not belong in a public school. Get them out of school. This is why we got to this place. Do you know that these tyrants want this generation to be the last generation that understands freedom? I'm not going to stand for it. Are you going to stand for it? I am not going to stand for it, but I need you to stand with me. We need all. Amazing. And uh, yes, I believe that was somewhere in Arizona. She's quite animated up there. She sort of reminded mm -hmm. me of Apollo White. Well, she she there was a rally that she, that, that Gail was recording um, called um, uh, the Grape Forty Eight, um, and basically it's to go against the, the governor's um, edicts about how he's managing this crisis. And I'll tell you, she's you know I th think her name's Peggy um, that was talking, but you know that but the thing is is that there are many people in, in the country that are saying things that are very similar to what I'm saying and, and, and what you're saying. Right? Oh, that was Peggy? And I'm sorry. I, I, yeah. We I apologize. Think the one that was speaking was Peggy. Oh, Gail okay. was the one that, that filmed it. Oh, okay. Well, we apologize to both of them. That was Peggy we heard. I think it was Peggy. Okay. But, but, um, um, but, but, the, the, but the, the bottom line is people are starting to get upset about how it's affecting their children. They're getting upset with the Common Core and how it's destroyed their edu their, the, the kids' education. These these teachers are getting more money, and the the outcomes are worse for many children, especially the inner city, and that is unacceptable. Um, and you know, so she's right. Peggy's right. You know, get the kids out of the school. That's I understand. The problem. Well, yeah, you yeah. know, I understand people are frustrated, and I understand people want this to be over, but. Unfortunately, a virus doesn't go away because of your feelings. That's not the no, way that's this true. works. That's true. But the thing is, is that the longer that's true, you know, but the I thing mean, I'm, is, I'm pissed is off too. the longer we I, yeah, stay you know. in shelter in place, right. the more chance they will be pushing this forced vaccine program. Now, the question is, what's more important? Is it more important to take risk and knowing that you only have a 98% chance of having a serious outcome from from COVID nineteen, right? And you know, take that chance and save your civil liberties, or is it better to stay at home 
listen to Fauci and take your vaccine and have a potentiality of having 3.3 million people um, vaccine harmed. And you're in any way, you're going to still lose your civil liberties because what just happened was is that they just passed the Biopatriot Act because that forced vaccine program is going to be an element of the Biopatriot Act that I've been talking about. So, so the thing is, is that you, if you let the virus take over, then you have already lost your life. It goes back to the very essence of what this country is about. Give me liberty or give me death. That's exactly what this is coming down to. You boil it all down. Forget about protease inhibitors and remdesivir and monoclonal antibodies and D614G mutations and all that bullshit. The bottom line is this. Give me liberty or give me death. And I'll tell you, there's unfortunately not enough Americans out there that are willing to take the risks to move forward and get the herd immunity and to prevent the forced vaccine program. Because again, if you get sick, chances are you're not going to get you're not going to go down the path of, of death if you're if it's treated early. There's ways to mitigate it by supplementation that I've talked about ad nauseum throughout the last six or seven months. And by doing that, you have just checked them. You just prevented them from giving you a vaccine. They are not going to give you a vaccine if you have if you've contracted SARS-CoV-2 because they're afraid of 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 a of a adverse reaction to the virus, to the vaccine. They're only going to give the vaccine to people that have been, that they think haven't contracted the virus. So if more of the population gets infected, then the better off we are of preventing a forced vaccine program. And again, the forced vaccine program is an element of the, the BioPatriot Act. And the thing is, is that people have been living with a lot of opportunities from the sacrifice of other generations. And it is now it's our time to pay the piper. It is now our time to have that sacrifice. It is our moment to actually put our life on the line and pass the torch of freedom to the next generation through our actions. And that action is resonated in the phrase, give me liberty or give me death. That is it. This is the moment. It's very similar to having to fight on a battlefield and you may be shot and, and killed, all right? But those soldiers that died gave us freedom, allowed us to have opportunities. And you think that that comes for free? That that is just only going to be, you know, that their sacrifice, the, the end of sacrifice is, is on that battlefield? No, no. Every generation is going to have to come to terms and go, you know, ask not what the country can do for me, but what I can do for the country. And unfortunately, there's not enough people that are standing up. But Peggy and 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 this great 48 rally that was taking place in Arizona, there are patriots out there that are saying, you know what? Enough is enough. It's it it's bad. But the thing is, is that we have a, we have a path for treatment. We have a path for treatment. And it is a path of treatment where it doesn't go down to the road of tyranny and this forced vaccine program and the elements of the of the Patriot Act. Understood. Because, and, and with that yeah. said, um, Paul, Arizona reported just today or a couple hours ago that 1,500 new COVID cases have just been reported. Even with all this going on, you're you're still saying don't wear a mask. 
I'm just yeah. trying to get this just uh, yeah, trying to get the story I'm straight here. Make it very clear. Okay, you know, I've, I've, I've changed my thought process you changed your because thoughts. the change because of the changing dynamics of this virus from day one. Paul, are you an anti-masker now? Is that what happened? No, 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 no I'm not an anti-masker. What I'm saying is, is that it's not, Michael. It's not that simple to just put it into a bucket, like because. It, it, well, I have to it, put it you on the hot away, seat, Paul. You know that. It takes away the understanding of the history. Right? <laughs> right, right, right. You know, but but the thing, but the but the boil it down. If someone was just going to take a snapshot of today, where is Paul? My thought is this: masks are more detrimental for children for two reasons: the social, the sociological, and the psychological effects of it. I think are too too disruptive. That I don't believe that the masks are helping to the point where we're getting past this crisis what it does is it slows down the infection but it doesn't it doesn't stop the infection follow me i agree it, you know that the, 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 the society is still getting infected they're still getting so infected they're right always gonna be pushing us in to shelter in place this goes why why i say it's time to take the mask off and to get out of your house and start living your life go to the bar go to the restaurants go to the sports uh, you know or the museums or wherever, go to the stadiums, whatever you normally do, what will happen is that people will get sick. And there's going to be a few weeks of a lot of people getting sick or a lot of people contracting it. But if there is enough therapeutics out there to treat this early, then we're not going to have mass, you know, we're not going to be having mass casualties. What we're going to have is a lot of people sick. But the thing is, what it'll do is, is it'll, now you have built in the herd immunity. You have now biology, our natural biology, our natural processes have figured a way, nature figured a way to fight against this bioweapon. But what they're doing is, is they're preventing your system to being able to fight the virus naturally and giving opportunity and time for them to push a forced vaccine program and to give the virus opportunity for mutation that gets gain of function. And Paul, hold that thought. The faster you prevent that, the better off we are. Paul, hold that thought one one moment here. We'll get right back into this subject uh, because I have more to add. Um, and I even have Dr. Fauci to, to bring up to you right now. But um, currently at the moment, we are joined by another caller. Well, you were live on the air. How's it going? Good. What's up, buddy? Can How can we help you? I don't know. I've been looking into this for some time. and. Um, I, I have not called in before when Paul, I tried calling that one time, but then the phone was all messed up. All right. So I started looking into this just a little bit. And so back in June, I called a, uh, a company that actually makes antibodies. And it's not far from where you live, Michael. Really? It's over in room. It's, yeah, yeah. It's a really cool little place. I, I called over there. Um, I emailed them first just to make sure. And um, they said they were in total lockdown, so the owner was just there, like, managing the phones. Oh, my. Yeah, yeah. It's it's over in Ramona. Ramo okay, yes. Yeah, it's not I'm far familiar. from you there, over there towards the bay, towards the ocean. Absolutely. So, anyway, so he had plenty of time, and so he told me state-of-the-art of what's going on with how the immunologists, the, the actual people that are making antibodies, are dealing with it. Interesting. That's a different, that's a different ver like, branch of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. relative to the people that are doing vaccines. Right. Because all they do is they actually make the antibodies themselves. Mm -hmm. And so he gave me like a, like, I don't know, a 45 minute, you know, basically walkthrough on the current state of the art. He pointed me at Exxon Bio. 
because uh, he was saying that they do research into like new antibodies, and then companies like Exxon Bio, because they're a much larger company, actually do the production, which is just straight exonbio.com. That's those guys. They're, these are monoclonal. They do a monoclonal antibody therapeutic, very similar. Well, no, to, they actually they actually make the full large antibodies because there's two different types of antibody drugs that he was talking about. So he was saying that after they get along with that for a while, because the antibodies attached to the spike proteins and disable them. Mm -hmm. All right. So what they do is um, because you can't take an antibody in a pill because it's too large of a, a molecule, is they figure out how they can actually make a smaller, like let's say molecule that you can actually take as a pill. And then that becomes an antibody pill because the, the little guy gets into your system and acts like the larger guy, and then it disables the that, that specific um, protein. Right. Okay, but all right. Now, he said that there's you. actually pills on the market right now that you can get that have an AB at the end, and that, that's an antibody. Mm -hmm. There's a whole class of, I guess, things mm -hmm. you can well, these, these are like the conjugate. There's like these conjugated antibodies. But the, problem with, with, the, but the problem with that is, though, Caller and, and Paul, it's still too early to know how long immunity will last. Well, the large, the large antibodies themselves, because if obviously your body can't actually, because you get infected with things all the time, your body can't actually, like, let's say, keep antibodies around, so it has to flush them out. Otherwise, you just fill up. So it, it's a matter of how much viral load you have exactly. and how, how quickly it'll, it'll like, unload. I was talking right. to the guy, he said... I, I yeah, you know, I, I think, I mean, the way the monoclonal antibody or even the plasma treatment, you know, convalescent plasma treatment concept is, why it works, is, is that it's buying time to bring down the viral load so your immune system can at least have a fighting chance to get its own antibodies. See, that, that, that exactly. that's, the, you know, if, if you have a virus that is growing fast enough or it is suppressing your immune system to being able to generate antibodies, which it, this virus is doing, then, then the virus will continue to grow throughout the body and, and cause sepsis and, and cause you know other organ failure and everything else. And you don't want that, by the way. So the thing is... Sepsis. And that's why... Right. And that's why cocktail treatment is the way to, to handle this. Antibody, these monoclonal antibodies or uh, some other derivative very similar to it, what it, what it's doing is, is that that's one vector to attack this, to, to, to attach the spike protein, but it's not a panacea. That's why no. they had to give, they had to give the remdesivir because some of these viruses are still going to get into the cell and you need to attack a different vector. And that vector is the replicates. They inhibit the replicates. Now, if you attack the replicates, and then you take another protease inhibitor and attack the assembly of the spike protein within the, the, the cytoplasm, then now you have three, three ways to prevent the virus from building up in the body. So, so cocktail treatment is the right way to, to, to do this. It's not, it's, it's not only remdesivir. It's not only cortical steroids. It's not only monoclonal antibodies. It has to be in a cocktail. What was that, caller? Oh, no, you want multiple ways to Sunday. You never do one thing if you actually have something serious going on. Right, right, right. You always do multiple things at the same time as long as they don't interact badly. 
Right. And then, and the thing is, is that once you stabilize the infection with the corticosteroids and these multiple vector attacks, then hopefully you wind them off of the corticosteroids. And then what will ha- hopefully what will happen is, is that now you're going to have, you've bought some time, you've reduced the viral load to a point that perhaps you can get um, activation of T cells and B cells, so they so they start they start secreting antibodies, fighting this naturally. Now, if that does happen, then your antibodies that are going to they're they're going to be longer lasting in your body because they've been self generated. The self generated antibodies will last longer. It's not going to be forever. They do titrate out, but the thing is that once you have activated your B cells and they're secreting those those antibodies then you'll have memory B cells. So if you get reinfected, you have a chance of reactivating those memory B cells and and secreting your own antibodies. If you're given the monoclonal treatment, all right, and you get past the infection, and let's say you heal, but you, in theory, don't produce any antibodies or very, very low concentration, then chances are a reinfection would probably take place because you don't have enough memory T cells. Yeah, the T cells are what... Uh, identify yeah, and destroy and the, yeah. yeah, it's for those that don't know what T cells are, that's basically what destroys the virus. Well, your fineness is actually uh, figured out what it is and can see it. And then it produces the, it, it like goes out and makes sure the T cells are, are manufactured and then kills it. Mm-hmm. Well, there, you know, it's attacking yeah. two different ways. You know, you, you build the B, you, you have memory, you, you, you'll have activation of your T cells, and then it's very complicated. It, it is. You know all the mechanisms. <laughs> but, but the thing is, is that it'll create a cytotoxic storm against the infected cell and destroy the cell. It'll kill the cell. That's the T, the T cell, the cytotoxic, you know, cytotoxic. We've learned a lot. We, we've learned so much these last seven months. We're using medical terms we've never used before. <laughs> most of us out yeah, here. So, 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 you have, you, so, so, so T cells, T cells not only get activated, um, uh, with presentation of an infected cell, then secrete cytokines that induce apoptotic effect on the cell and kill it. But what it also does is that there's, there are helper cells that activate B cells that start to produce antibodies that will will um, attach to that particular antigen. In this case, let's say the spike protein. It doesn't have to be just the spike protein. It could be other things, other topologies on the virus, whatever is being presented, you know, for for um, for the the antibody to be created, and then it works. But the bottom line is, is that there's two mechanisms. There is the antibody mechanism through the B cell, but also the cytotoxic mechanism through the T cell. And if you have memory T cells and B cells in large enough quantities, the chances of reinfection go down. But over time, you're going to have lower and lower. You'll have a circulation of antibodies, all right? But over time, that will go down, and you'll have a minimal amount of memory cells. And over time, that will go down. And that's the reason why, let's say you get a vaccine uh, and 30 years later, they they have to do a titer because you're below the threshold point because you don't have enough, you know, enough antibodies floating around because you're, you're you know, it's kind of leaked out of your system. So but the, the bottom line is, is that monoclonal antibodies buys your your body time to be able to try to fight the infection because it's lowering the viral load and hopefully 
in a best case scenario, your body produces antibodies against the virus. So it lowers the chances of reinfection. And I think this is the reason why, Michael, that certain people, it's not that many, it's kind of, it's, it's a low percentage, very low percentage, but that's the reason why there are relapses and reinfections. Yeah. We're going to talk about because, that in a moment. Because yes. of this problem that they're being treated and they're not getting, they're not building up enough of their own antibody. Definitely. And caller, do you have anything else to add before we cut ties oh, absolutely. with you? Absolutely. It's quite funny. I, I, it's funny and disturbing because the guy actually told me and sent me the link to Exxon Bio. And this is back in June, like mid June. And then like, I don't know, two months later, I, I finally go ahead and look in there and they finally have a products version, like a product section, which is new. And so they have the SARS-CoV-2 pro, uh, proteins that they actually have these things supposedly around, and then also the SARS-CoV-2 antibodies. And so you go into the antibodies, you select that one. Quite funny. Um, one milligram of these antibodies, which they have two types, is $1,800. Wow. Yeah. Now, I'm not necessarily sure if you were to get an injection of one milligram of antibodies, what that would actually do. Yes. But um, on the other hand, I'm just... Quite amazed that they can mass produce these things, but they are charging eight hundred dollars well, per that, milligram. I think with the treatment, it's similar to what happened with Donald Trump, and that was as it was a five-day treatment. You know, so that may be the full course of the regimen, and you just divide it over a five-day period. I doubt that it's just one one dose. One dose, right? It's probably multiple. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure oh, yeah, it's yeah. Like well, a couple yeah, doses can't imagine per day, five days, or something. All right. It's just amazing. I, I'm just, I just find it amazing that these guys already had this thing sequenced out. They already had the antibodies. He was saying that, because I talked to him in mid-June, that mm-hmm. the, that community had already developed up multiple antibodies for this two months earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. had them in place. Well, you know, you know, it depends on the story that you hear. But, you know, what the working theory is, is Back when Fort, they were developing it in Fort Detrick, so in 2014, 2015, there were many different startup companies that started popping out of the, from the, the researchers that were tied into the program. And they had bits and pieces of the protein sequence, you know, uh, the, um, the RNA sequence and, and the, the protein composition of different aspects to this virus. This is before the further development at Wuhan. So, but it, that's the scaffolding good enough and they and they can tweak it with additional material provided to them right so what happened was there's was a bunch of startup companies and patents that that were generated out of this weapons program and um so it's not unheard that these startups were given basically proprietary information from the weapons program to develop vaccines for the, the virus that was created so they create a virus they'd be able to spin off Spin off, you know, startup companies make a boatload of money by doing this. And that's one line that they had the development of, right? Then the Wuhan bifurcation takes place in 2015, further development of gain of function in Wuhan. Then it's leaked out, but it's using the same base, the same scaffolding, right? It's just, it's, it, it, there's further gain of function. So they get that sequence. And then they can tweak their process that's been been in the works for four or five years. And that's part of the reason why they were able to, um, you know, fast track this. Or, or it seems like, well, you know, they were able to develop it so quickly. Well, because they've had a jump start for the last four or five years. 
because they had the scaffolding from the Fort Detrick at, and the Fort Detrick and the um, University of North Carolina and Duke and some other universities um, development. Of this yeah, there were some the PDF files going back to like 2015 to, uh, yeah. about the sequence. Yeah, yeah, and and not just that. It, yeah, right. It, it's the research papers that were published and the patents. And those patents are important because when you have a patent, then you get seed money to be able to start a startup company. So these startup companies that are creating these vaccines and creating these antibodies and all that, it's not because they have some wonder technology and something new came out. They've been working on this thing for years right. in the background, in the in the background, at some level. Well, okay. Can I interrupt just a bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had to have been doing exactly what you're saying. Because then if you go into the Exxon Bio thing and you don't look at the antibodies, you look at the proteins, they have six proteins that they have on, on like, just there for sale. Okay. And you go down the list of these things, and they have the uh, ACE2 protein, and then they also have the uh, the S1 spike protein. They have the RBD protein, RBD, SD1, and SD2, because that's your cleavage sites you've been talking about. Mm-hmm. All right. Then the last one is the uh, 2019 NCOV, which is what they call this thing, nucleocapsid, which they have a different name for that, which is this is kind of unusual. And if the expression host on this is E. coli. That's even nastier. I had no well, idea they you did know, that. The thing, the thing is, is that there's so much homology in this virus that there, this thing is peppered, peppered with HIV. <laughs> you got to tons be. of yes. glycoprotein 41, which is known to be the main integrating protein for HIV into an infected cell. It allows for the virus to actually not basically move in and morph between the two different um, 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 cells, two different cell coats. So you have you have you have a membrane, a lipid membrane, and let's say a eukaryotic cell. You know, one of our cells that gets gets infected. Well, what happens is is the virus will dock, and for HIV, that docking is glycoprotein one twenty. Well, behind glycoprotein 120 is glycoprotein 41. So once it's docked, then what happens is, is that the lipid profile of the, of the virus, all right, will, will, that envelope will merge with the lipid profile of the, of the eukaryotic cell. Glycoprotein 41 is that kick to, to be able to get the virus into the eukaryotic cell. All right. So for this virus, SARS-CoV-2, the spike protein, all right, has its own topology of a normal, let's say, coronavirus, but it was able to jump and get high affinity to the ACE2 receptor because it has special cleavage points that are tied to uh, to um, uh, glycoprotein 120 and GAG. That's right. And 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 because of that, and they have a lot of homology to the glycoprotein 41. What it does is it, it has the affinity to the ACE2, and then it has an extra kick to merge the, that, that envelope of the virus, the coronavirus, the SARS-CoV-2, and that plasma membrane of the eukaryotic cell. And, that, and there's other things, too. There's more complications. There's, there, there's other proteins that are next to next to the the um 
the ACE2 receptor. It's not just the ACE2. There's other kind of helper proteins that kind of grab and hold on to the virus and help it come in. Good to go. Anyway, you guys keep going. Excellent, excellent show. And also, just, just to let you know, I talked to this guy on June 18th. I read over all of this stuff and like was looking over this whole Exxon bio and all the other things on June 19th. And on June 19th, that's the last time I wore a mask. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say, I mean, I'm in the middle of the worst area in the country. It's New York City. All right. And I do not wear a mask, even when I have a person in my building that has it. Okay. But the thing is, is that if I'm on the MTA, which is the mass transit in New York City. You are. I, I have to have it. Yeah, I see. I have to have it. They, 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 you know, the police are walking around and they'll, they'll kick you out. And I mean, you have to have it. But that's the only time I'm wearing it. And I'm not, you know, I'm not wearing the mask in any other way. But the thing is, is that a lot of people, because of the microclustering, uh, you know, getting worse, the, the infections are getting worse in New York, there's a psychological effect and more and more people are wearing the masks. But I'm telling you, hold on I one second. Caller, don't and they yeah. don't get sick. Caller, thanks, thanks by the way for checking in on yeah, us. Yeah, the only the only suggestion I have is we figure out some type of fund to move Paul out of New York City. <laughs> well, I mean, I, it, actually, me being in New York City may be you know a blessing in disguise because I can I can explain to people while being on shows like with Michael, you know, and and explain what I'm seeing, you know, and saying, hey, something could be learned from what. My observation is, and I'm, I, I am noticing that there are psychological uh, uh, damning effects of, of having this draconian measure with the masks. There's there's a psychological component here that, that a lot of people are underestimating, and I think it's going to be very detrimental to children. And honestly, it, the virus isn't it, the virus is bad, and people can get sick. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. It does exist. And it's important to get treated if you get sick. But I've been stating from day one, part of the therapy is to promote your own immune system. Get healthy and, and take some simple supplementation and you're going to be so much farther ahead. Vitamin so D and vitamin C. Take care, caller. And there he goes. And by the way, early on during the pandemic, Dr. Fauci said this, if you recall. Mask. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often, there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask, and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there? Of course, of course. But when you think masks, you think of healthcare providers. But yes, that's what he said early on in the game. And now he's saying, and I quote, time to put aside these extraordinary excuses and mandate masks. Well, you know, here's the, you know, here's the thing is it's temporal. You know, he was, he, he, I think there were two things in the first part of that, that he was stating. One is what he really believed. From, as, as, a, as a doctor, and and the the stance that there were not enough P, PPE for the doctors and nurses at that time. Because when he made that statement, there was a big concern that there was going to be an overflow at the hospitals, and that if that fell, then there would be a major wave through the country. And I know of individuals that were that that served in 
in the military, and they were calling me, my show, and telling me they were being prepped for a secondary and tertiary containment zone that if if the hospitals fell. And we started to see the preps for that when they were putting in the hospital tents in Central Park. That was the secondary containment. The third, the tertiary containment was bases on uh, at, at military facilities. And I had people calling in and telling me, and I recorded this stuff, you know, and, and telling me that there, there is going to be a, a secondary and tertiary containment if the hospitalizations fell. And this was the same time that Fauci was stating, don't wear a mask. So I think he, I think there was two things going on there. One was that he had to protect the first responders. Because you got to remember, if you're always in an environment like doctors and nurses where you're, you know, exposed to this virus, there's a higher probability of getting it, right? And if you get it, then you have to be treated. And then you have to go, you know, you know, and be, you know, quarantined for a while. And then you can come back to work. But, you know, it, it, it's not, I mean, to be a doctor or a nurse, it takes a lot of education, right? So if you had a massive amount of people that are first responders that get sick, you wouldn't have health care. Because it's not something that you can, like, get any Joe off the street to be a doctor or a nurse, I mean, it takes years of training. It's not like, you know, an Amazon, you know, packer. Uh, so and just like so. So, you know, I think that was a big part of why he was pushing don't wear the mask to allow for a ramp up of PPE for the first responders. But, um, you know, I then he changes his tune. But you got to remember, what is his what is his shtick? His shtick is a vaccine program. All right. Well, if you if you are wearing a mask and you start having other infections or you're suppressing your immune system, well, it's easy to kind of roll out a, you know, a, a forced vaccine program. And the guy has patents for Moderna, for the aspects of the, the technology, you know, for these glycoproteins that we were, we were talking about earlier. I mean, this guy has been at the NIH since the 1980s. He's been there a while. Yeah, and he's like number one guy for HIV. And it just so happens that his second and third in command happened to be lying to the American public in the in the early 1990s. This is Burks and Redfield about the HIV vaccine. And they lied, you know, for that development, saying that it had a higher uh, efficacy. And it didn't. So so <laughs> and if the, the three most important people that are that they're running the running the pirate ship over at the White House and in this particular, you know, pandemic are people that know a lot about HIV and have have either lied to the lied to the scientific community or have patents that are tied to therapeutic or vaccine development to fight this virus. I find that is, is a conflict of interest. And you have uh, no point of contention out of me on that one. And as you are well aware, the race for a viable vaccine has been underway for quite some time now. Multiple people have already died during the early trials. We last heard that a, well, we last heard that senior citizens, as you alluded to earlier, would be, well, when you brought up the vaccine, by the way, and you said it would be free. We understand now that senior citizens, senior citizens would be the first to get vaccinated. And yes, Paul, you said for free, but. I'm truly perturbed by that because that sort of demonstrates to me that they aren't even fully confident in the vaccine. It's now on the seniors who will be the uh, sacrificial lamb, Paul. 
Well, the thing is, is that when I was saying for free, I was talking about the monoclonal antibody and the remisphere. Ah, okay. I wasn't talking about the vaccine. You weren't talking about the I don't yes. want anyone, but it's your prerogative view. But I was stating what Trump was stating, and that was that he stated that the treatment that he had, he was going to make available for free to everybody. I don't know if that's true, though. How's that going to work? Well, I'm just saying that what he stated. Yeah. I mean, he made that statement. So, I mean, I'm assuming that he can, you know, hold his promise. But well, I think that he could do it. But the assumption is, is that through the stimulus package, I hope. that there would be billions of dollars, probably hundreds of billions, but hundreds of billions of dollars that go to, to the big pharma and state, okay, here's your money. Now make it for free for everybody. So it's really us selling bonds in the market, creating more debt that's paying for this treatment that eventually will be paid through our, through our tax dollars. So nothing's for free, but at least people can get treatment and they're not getting a bill from their doctor. They're going to get a bill from the Treasury Department through higher taxation. And every year at this time, people are getting the flu shot. You hear family members, friends asking you if you have taken the shot. And my God, I definitely don't take any flu shot, by the way. And I'm not a anti-vaxxer. Um, I would just recommend everyone to try to escape the needle. So, yeah, I don't take flu shots. And I've noticed lots of people that do take the flu shot. They end up actually getting sick uh, lots of times there, Paul. And Well, I, I had to take a flu shot just to make sure that I, you know, reach compliance for med school. Some people have so, to, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have to. I don't want to, but I have to. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. You know, so medical schools are now going to go back to campus. Sure. Soon, right? So there was a there, there was a provision provided where medical schools um, didn't have to open up their campuses and they would be remote, right? But if you are in rotation, that's your third and fourth year, then obviously you had to be on site at the hospitals. Right. But for your first two years, you know, you could do it remote. Now that provision is ending, sunsetting, um, technically by the end of April. But most schools are kind of forcing everyone to come back in January. Will you be wearing a mask? Well, that's the problem. This is, I mean, and this is a big contention, you know, between the uh, faculty and the administration of the medical schools Absolutely. and the body. Yeah, I'll tell you, the students are not happy having to go back to campus. And what's happening is, is you can't you, you, you can't congregate. So what's the point of socializing? And, you know, the study areas are plexiglassed now and you have to wear a mask. You're not going to lecture hall. All right. So it's still it's still provided remotely, even if it's a live session, it's still remote. There's no lecture hall. Study areas are open, and the only thing that it, it, it is really beneficial to the student is, is that it provides you in, in small clusters of people to be able to practice your clinical skills when, you know, like, you know, doing your, you know, physical exam, you know, practicing your physical exam skills. So, or, you know, taking patient history. So there's really no benefit. And the thing is, is you have to be wearing a mask and you got to be wearing, you know, the shields and all this stuff. It's not just the mask. When you're in the clinical skills, you got to be wearing the shields. The face mask. The, yeah. The face shield, I mean, it's rather. It's just like, you know, to be totally honest, I, I, I'll tell you, I am so, this is part of the reason why I started becoming, let's say, I'm not an anti, I'm not an anti-mask guy. I know it sounds from the surface that I am, but if people listen to me from day one, they understand the progression of my thought process, right? 
But where I'm at right now is I'm so goddamn fed up. I agree. With the, the psychological component of this that I am weighing the whole idea of give me liberty or give me death. You're I do point. not want to live this life anymore if it's going to be like this. I would rather stand up and fight the, the forces that, that are pushing this agenda. And if by doing so I die from it, it is worth than to sit at home and capitulate and to get sick and, and, and to live this goddamn tyranny that's going on. I mean, literally what Fauci is saying to the American public is this, it's going to be bad this year and it's going to be bad next year. And you know what? You might as well flush down the toilet two years of your fucking life. That's, That's what, it sounds what he's like. saying to the American public. You flush down two years of your life, and that is 2.7% of your life. 2%, 2.7% of your life is flushed down the toilet. You know what? I would rather you know, open, <laughs> open up. There open you go, Paul. Up. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. You know, I open up the, you know, take off the mask, open up the economy, and have the severe infection for four months. Then to have it continue on for two and a half years. I'm with Which you on that one. Which was a smarter idea. Yeah. And of course, the facts are the virus has mutated again plenty of times. I've yeah. since, uh, And again, I've sincerely lost track of how many times the strain has mutated. And I'm not overly optimistic about a tangible vaccine. Studies have been conducted to determine whether or not you can get infected twice with COVID-19, Paul. And, and it appears that you can contract the virus again. Right. After five to seven is, months, that's what the health experts are true. saying. That's true. That's true. But, the but that may is, not be the, the reason. Is it, it because it, of right. mutational rate? Because you got to remember that this this replicates. The reason why they made the scaffolding like they did was that they took a really good replicase. That means that it doesn't mutate that. If you're going to make a weapon, you want something that is as pure when it comes out of the lab and stay in the population best as possible. So you need a very good replicate. So that what they did was they took the best replicase that was in the, the, the repertoire and they took the best spike protein in the natural repertoire. And then they were able to self-select for higher affinities ACE2 by putting in HIV homology. Right. right? So what they, that basically means to the, the, the people playing at home here is that the replicase won't have as many mutations as, let's say, your standard flu virus because the flu mutates at a very higher rate. So the question is, why is the reinfection happening? Is it happening because of mutation or is it happening because the body is shedding whatever antibodies it's creating too fast or the virus is in the body in a dormant phase and preventing the, mes the memory cells from activating? being able to fight a reinfection. So there may be a downregulation of the immune system, and that's, that's the chronic phase that I've been kind of worried about with this virus. And we don't really, there's not enough research about the chronic phase of this. Yeah, we don't know yet. But I suspect, I suspect if I was to put money on it, if we were going to Vegas, you know, and, you know, I would say I would put my money on the idea that it is, it is the inability to maintain antibody, natural antibody when exposed to the virus, then a mutation that causes uh, a secondary infection. Right. And researchers are already, researchers already warning that some COVID-19 vaccines could increase risk of HIV infection. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean goddamn, you know, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, and you got to understand, you know, and I'm wondering why is that mechanism happening? There, you know, when we, when, as a layman, you're looking at, what are some of the common words that keep on popping up? HIV, 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 HIV. You know, so, I mean, it's like, well, wait a minute here. There is way too much HIV homology. There's three HIV experts that are running the show in the Trump administration, and this is supposed to be a coronavirus. Right. And yet the media is not talking about the HIV homology, which is what baffles me the most. Oh, They're not being sense. honest about this. And that's why yeah. people are saying, well, it's just a flu. And well, that's I mean, the key. The key good Lord, it's not the just key. a flu. Right. Exactly. The key is the HIV homology. If it wasn't there, this thing would have never jumped species. Exactly. It never, it, it would, the, the ACE2, the ACE2 affinity would not have happened. It was a requirement. At, 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 anywhere, at any level. That's right. You need that. that. You need the uh, SARS and human SARS and the HIV to get it to infect other people there. That's kind of what happened there during this whole sort of little lab experiment, Paul. Well, like, you know, if you look at SARS, the, 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 the SARS, um, that SARS minor, yeah, the minor pandemic that we had back in 2003, I think it was 2004, you know, that was with a spike protein, um, that had some, degree of affinity to the ACE2, yep. but it had a poor replicate, all right? And so it died out. It died out quick because it mutated and died out. But this, they made so it would die out. It would keep on moving through the population. That's why I'm concerned. Yes, here, check this, this part thing out, is, Paul. I'm concerned about the, the long-term effects in this thing dormant in our body. Yes, and here here is the scary part, by the way, Paul. I, I waited... So we were almost done with the show to bring this part up, but, and, and I'm, you know, I'm glad we're talking about this, the whole HIV thing and the vaccine thing. But here's the thing. We already know there's money to be made from this. We already know there is no cure, just partial protection. They want to keep this in syndication. I'm going to make the wild mm-hmm. prediction now mm-hmm. that maybe a shot every few months is what they're aiming for. Just like a regular flu shot, except this is no ordinary flu. You probably mm-hmm. take a regular flu shot as it is, but again, I suspect, I just suspect that they're just trying to uh, keep this in rotation just like the uh, flu shot. Uh, Paul, they're going to keep doing this. Every few months, we're just going to be required to take another shot. I think you're right. And not only that, just look at the nomenclature. Event, originally, it was just called the Wuhan virus. Right. All right. Or, you know, um, or, you know, but then they, they switched the nomenclature to COVID-19. Well, that assumes, and you got to remember, COVID-19 is a disease right, of SARS-CoV-2. So they've already put in our minds that this is, there is the potentiality of COVID-20, 21, 22. So this is the annuity, the annuity for these pharmaceutical companies to jab you every year. That's I mean, right. I, you know, the, the word on the street is, is that you would have to have two shots of whatever the vaccine is, either either the Moderna vaccine or the Oxford vaccine. The Johnson or Johnson the vaccine. Or the, right, or the Johnson Johnson one or the Eli Lilly. Mm-hmm. They all are a two-shot system. So, think about so it. I think, That's right. Yeah, you know, so you, you, you take it, and then a, a month or two later, you have to take the second one. Five to seven now, months, you might have to take it again. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or, you know, it's an annual thing. And think about it. You know, you go to work. They go, well, uh, did you get your vaccine? Did you get your SARS-CoV-2 vaccine shot? 
no, well, you won't be able to get your check this week. And remember, Paul, I told you early on in the game that it would be mandated in the future to get uh, to maybe work, even to uh, travel. I mean, Paul, I mean, at the time I told you everybody was laughing at me, but now no one is. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people are capitulating just, you know, currently on the on um, the airlines to fly. You have to be masked for the whole flight. You know, so the next step is, is it going to be you're going to have this flight ID. Think about what was. Hold on. Hold on. You were you were right. You were just right where I wanted you to be. And this is the next news article I wanted to bring to your attention. LAX debuts facial recognition technology for international travelers. So there you go, Paul. It's already happening. Right. So think about, so step back and look at three years ago or four years ago. What were some of the things in the news about flying and, and, and travel? They were talking about a travel ID. Travel ID, right. Right. And a chip, you know, that, or, or, or uh, you know, a, um, you know, a special chip in your passport. And you a, know, in a Wisconsin. They were building an infrastructure. And a Wisconsin company already was installing a rice-sized microchip in its employees back in 2017, Paul. So, I mean, all of this is coming full circle, right? Right, right. right. So they build up the infrastructure, and then now they have to build the crisis, right? And there's multiple reasons why the crisis has happened. But what it does is, is that now they use the infrastructure that's been built out, and then now they just say, okay, if you, because we're through the, we're, we're in COVID-19, and we need to reboot the economy, you have to prove that you have a vaccine. And right. if you don't have that vaccine, now that little chip that's in your travel ID will, will say, well, you're not verified to, to have the vaccine, you, that you've received the vaccine, and therefore you can't fly. And so you can't purchase tickets or you, you can't travel. And so what happens is, is that's very similar to a social score that is taking place in China. Absolutely. And all these tech companies were beta tested this type of technology in China and how it will be rolled out in the United States. And I'm telling you, they have, they have the crisis now. The crisis is here and they've already built the infrastructure to be able to, to implement this, this, you know, digital tagging, you know, a, a digital like, uh, uh, um, leash on us. That's right. It's, uh, and this is part of the biopatriot pillar of, of, and over surveillance and over over control of our lives, our civil liberty. So it goes back to that axiom: give me liberty or give me death. Is it worth it? I understand why people are fearful of getting sick, but the thing is, is that you know what? A lot of people in this country have done very well, especially when you compare it to other countries. All right, anyone that's lived in other countries, I would say the vast majority, not all, but the vast majority don't have the same opportunities as in the United States, all right? And people have thought that they can live in the big home and, you know, have all, you know, have all these nice toys and everything and and not have to really pay for it. I'm not talking about pay for it in money. I'm talking about pay for it in blood. Absolutely. Right? And, and the thing is, is it's to the point now where the sacrifices from previous generations are are coming back and they're, and, and, and this crisis is 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 demanding patriots to stand up and push through and make a beachhead. And that's why I am taking off the mask and saying, hey, you have to move forward. 
because if you don't move forward, you're going to lose your capitalism. You're going to lose your constitution. You're going to have tyranny from the government, and you're going to have a nanny state that's going to control your life until a group of people pick up, fight the government, pull it down, and then reboot a new Magna Carta. But it's better to save the current constitution that we have than to lose it, have this tyranny for decades or maybe 100 or two, you know, 200 years, and then a group of people stand up and, and, and rise up. It's better to save and preserve the freedoms that we have now. That's why I am saying, you know what? When you look at the totality, the mosaic, having a mask on and capitulating and doing what Fauci is telling you to do is making the country worse off. You can't look at the problem from a biological only perspective. You got to look at the biology, you got to look at the economics, you got to look at the sovereignty, and you got to look at the geopolitical. And if you follow the, 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 the route that Fauci is saying, we're going to have a 21st century China, we're going to lose our constitution, we're going to be tagged and have a biopatriot act, and we're not going to have, you know, we're going to be living in a, in a, in a, uh, um, a, a new version of the, of, of, uh, of, um, I don't know, Siberia, electronic Siberia. And I just, we, we got to stand up. We can't allow this to happen. See, a lot of people are just focused on, is it going to make me sick or not? They don't realize that if you capitulate and listen to what Fauci is telling you to do, you're no longer going to be free. And then are you really living if you're living under that tyranny? And I would have to conclude, no, you're not living. So what's the, what's the point? You're better off at least sac- fighting and, and, and at least dying for a cause. But that's, you know, that, you know, maybe there's just not enough people that think like I do. And I'm just, you know, maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. But, you know, I, I don't think I am. Because it seems like there's an awful lot of evidence historically. And this is how the country was built. It wasn't built by a bunch of, you know, Danny staters. It was built by people that wanted freedom and, and, and prosperity and an opportunity to build things. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And, Paul, we are coming to a close here. And I don't think you're crazy at all. I think you... Uh, are just reflecting what a lot of people are probably thinking uh, right now, um, what they've probably been thinking the last couple of months with the pandemic going on, with the shelter in place going on. And Paul, unfortunately, the way things are looking, it seems like we might just be going right back to where we started. Well, I mean, there's a lot that we've learned. Uh, well, of know, course, we, we've learned know, a lot. You know, but you're right. In, in terms of the epidemiological curve, it may be actually worse than where we were back in April. If you look at this, at the, it's worse technically. If you look at the aggregate level of the country, but once, once, um, once New York gets back online with a second wave, all sh- all hell is going to break loose. And that's why what I am saying is so important. And there's been a common theme with me being on your show is is that what we say happens a month and a half later. We become prophets. Every, later. We become right. prophets and all I'm, the time here. Right, right. And it, 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 it's been happening not just once, but multiple times in multiple aspects to this whole pan- pandemic. It's pretty wild. Right. And I'm, I'm telling you. Do you believe in Darwin, New by York? the way? Uh, Paul, I believe in Darwin. Do you believe in Darwinism? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the whole idea of the, you know, the well, yeah, the evol- you know, evolution. Yeah, I do. I see it. I I feel like it's been on display in the last seven months. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's abuse. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm definitely a Darwinist, but but um, yeah. I my concern my my concern is is that people because it's going to get back. It's and even Fauci said it. 
it's going to get bad. But he's stating, be fearful, you know, stay indoors, wait for that vaccine. I'm saying it's going to get bad. And that is you, that is your moment to get out of the boat and storm the beach. Because what's going to happen is, is that we can, we can speed through the infection and get this thing to attenuate quicker than the never ending shelter in place. It didn't work and it destroyed half of our economy. It didn't work, but we did buy time and we did learn. So now it's time to take the mask off and to push forward. And, and it has to be demanded that all of the therapeutics have to be available. And the doctors and the nurses, you know, make the decision on that and what that protocol should be based on that patient's, you know, clinical presentation. Oh, they. So this is basically our proverbial operation overlord. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is, this is our moment where if we don't do this, we're not going to be considered maybe the, the, the second generation, the greatest generation. We'll be considered, you know, the, 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 the least generation. Right. Because when, when, when the, our moment was to shine and do something positive for the country, we stood at home and sucked our thumb and listened to Fauci. And I'll tell you what, you know, all the people that are eating the GMOs and been dumbed down, you know, with the TV and, and, you know, you know, and, you know, other, you know, social mechanisms, you know, it's time to wake up, rub the eyes and just say, Hey, you know, do you want to live? You want to live free? If you want to live free, do what I am saying. And the country in the long run will be better off. If you don't do what I'm saying, everyone is going to be in a world of fucking hurt. Everyone. And this is our moment in the sun. Our moment in the sun right now is to make, to, to, to make this, this, this sacrifice. And there's enough learned that we can minimize the damage. And once again, Paul, I do want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program Every time you're on here, I learn something new. These conversations are always enlightening and entertaining. I hope it's that way for everyone else out there. And, of course, my listeners just adore and love you so much, Paul. They uh, they always want you back on. Oh, that's great. I mean, I like coming on to your show and talking to you. You know, I, you know, the thing is, is that what we have here is a conversation about the most important thing that has been happening to our country since probably the, since World War II. Well, this is it. This this is the yeah. big one. I, yeah. You know, I get complaints all the time. Well, not all the time, but every now, every once in a while now, Paul, somebody will say, oh, you're going to talk about COVID-19 again. And I thought, well, this is the mother load. This is the big one. This is the biggest conspiracy ever. Right, right. And the thing is, is that they are so close in finishing their agenda. That Agenda 21. Agenda 21 is not that far away. You know, that, that 2021 is not that far away. It we almost feels like over. this is, it almost feels like this right. is what George Bush uh, was talking about. Right, right. You know, I, I'll tell, I, you know, I, I am a person that believes in this, 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 this idea of, of sovereignty and, and self-determination. And I've never bought into the idea of the new world order, you know? So yeah, I, it just, we need to fight it. Hard to deny know? now though, right? Wait, say that again? I said it's very hard to de- deny that there isn't yeah. a, a oh, world right. order I mean, now. It's, it's screaming yeah. in your face. It's in your grill, as, as Steve Bannon says. You know, it's the deep state isn't hidden anymore. It's in your face. You know, and I'll, I'll tell you, I, we have to fight about it. But unfortunately, I see a lot of people protesting about BLM. I see, you know, a lot of people, you know, protesting about Orange Man Bad. But, you know, no one's really protesting about the things that we just stated. What we just stated in the last two hours 
is the core of the future of our country. And I'm not speaking in hyperbole. What you and I have been stating is the foundation of the next 150 years of this country. I agree. The question is, is will the people that are listening spread the word and, you know, say, hey, you know, enough is enough. We are saving that flag and we're going to save our Constitution. And hell was Fauci. Fauci is not on our side. And not only that, he's, he's going against the Hippocratic Oath. Now, Paul, once again, thank you so much for being a part of the program. And before I cut you loose, anything you'd like to plug before we cut ties here? Well, I, you know, I want people to realize that there is many people on the Internet, especially on YouTube, that's trying to, to warn the public of all of the things that are happening. Right. So I'd like to still plug Addy ads and uh, George Webb. They're publishing their work on brand new tube and it's um, neighborhood news um, hour. And I forgot the last word that he, he plugged. He changed the name of it. But any ads really important to subscribe to because what that will do is that will give you a conduit into many other different people that are publishing content. So we need to network. So if one of our channels go down, we can help re populate subscribers to a new channel so that the message can be still heard. And so we become anti-fragile. And so that's that's a, a big part. It's not about promoting an individual. It's, it's building an anti-fragile network. So let's say if my channel goes down and people can go to Addy and then I'll be on Addy's channel and then I can say my new channel is such and such and you can go there. Or if your channel went down, you could do the same thing. You can leverage our network and, right. and repopulate your channel very quickly. That's how we become anti-fragile, and that's how we get around this tyranny from, from the, the big tech companies. So please subscribe to Addy Ads and his Twitter, you know, his uh, Facebook or his YouTube or his brand, uh, brand new tube account, and, and start following the people that are on his show. Subscribe my channel subscribe to michael's channel subscribe to to you know even subscribe to bit you and and um and uh stefan molyneux or mike adams we all have a different perspective you may not agree with everything we say but the bottom line is is that we have all been censored because of the things that we've been stating about the deep state and, and how our constitutional freedoms are being eroded and that's and outrageous the thing is, is that we have to build a anti-fragile network and that is very important to survive through this as we coordinate to try to save this constitution. Amazing. Once again, thank you so much, Paul. I have taken up plenty of your time this evening, but I am very thankful. And my God, Paul, I can't wait to do this again. Yeah. Anytime, Michael. I love this show. I, I enjoy our conversations. And, you know, I, again, you are a friend and a, a patriot that's been, you know, trying to warn the public on what the hell is going on. To I've been trying nation. my best, been trying my hardest. So once again, well, Paul, thank you very much. Thank you, brother. And we will talk again, my friend. Stay safe out there in NYC. Uh, definitely um, wear a mask when you uh, definitely have to. And uh, keep washing those hands and taking those me uh, those pills, those supplements. Keep boosting your immune system or optimizing your immune system, rather. That's right. And everyone can do it. It's very simple. Just, you know, you can, it's easy to Google what you need to take to, you know, that are antiviral. 
you know, and just the simple stuff like the vitamin D's and the vitamin C's and no matter where you get it or nanosilvers or the C60's. I don't care if you get it from me or some other vendor. It doesn't matter. What's important is that you build up your immune system so you can storm that beach and, and survive, survive through this and protect this great nation because they want you sick. They want you capitulating to a vaccine program that will probably eventually get you sick. No doubt. Once again, brother, stay safe. We'll catch up soon. Thank you very much. Good night, brother. Anytime. Bye-bye. And there he goes, boys and girls. That was the one and only Dr. Paul Cottrell. And before I cut loose with all of you here, I do want to remind all of you that our good friend, the freight train, is actually, he's actually put together a live virtual conference, if I recall correctly here off the top of my head. I believe that is December 5th and uh, 6th. Yeah, 8 a.m. to 11 p.m., I believe, and that would be falseflagconspiracies2020.com. Falseflagconspiracies2020.com. That's a live virtual conference, False Flags and Conspiracies 2020. Definitely go out there and uh, put that in your browser, and you'll see our friend Jim Fetzer, the freight train, who has put together this event, and there's a number of people that are scheduled to be speakers there so definitely check that website out and yes looking at the clock now we've been on here a while and i can't believe i even remembered any of that information off the top of my head oy vey thank thank you to all of you out there this evening thanks for being a part of the program yes you in the chat room and remember you can get a hold of me during the program sometimes via twitter at michael deacon most of the time you can find me in the chat room though and those of you who are listening in on the podcast rendition, I do invite all of you to hang out with us during the live show. That way you can interact with listeners like yourself or me. Either way, new listeners out there, you can take us on the road. iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, which I prefer. Just search Michael Deacon, and that's where you'll find gold. Or if you want bonus material, patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. Plenty of extra bonus content there. And uh, Kimberly is saying, where's the church lady? I think you're referring to Linda Emanuel. I believe she was crying on her last uh, podcast that she did. I believe comments were making her cry. All of you bad people out there on YouTube have been leaving awful comments, so you made her cry. I hope all of you are proud. Now, once again, don't forget, if you do want to support the program, patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. Oh, yeah, it's nice. Once again, thank thank you. I want to say thanks to all of you out there, rather. I want to say thank you to K-Nut, Dublin, Lilith, Patty. Who else am I missing? Uh, Dave. Dave. Did Dave uh, donate, by the way? Is that who it was? Well, regardless, I do want to thank all of you out there who did donate. I appreciate that. Anything does help. And, of course, international listeners out there, I didn't forget about you. I see that you support the program, too, and that makes me quite happy. Now, before I leave here, I do want to remind all of you that I will be on tomorrow night. That's Halloween. We have a show to do, so please show up. I'll be there. The mind continues to race. Stay safe, everyone, no matter where you are. On this island Earth, I'm Michael Deacon, and with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. 